Hello my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Origins, what I hope is one of your favorite spooky history podcasts. This week I have a subject that feels pretty on-brand for me in this podcast, and that's partially because it's one of the topics that helped me in deciding what the subject of this podcast would be. You see, back in 2018, when I was finishing up my BA in Humanities, I took a fantastic class by a fantastic teacher where we learned about the history of the night, with a K, death, and the devil. It was early each Friday morning, and though I hate waking up early with a passion, I adored that class. It was a subject that our teacher created especially for a very small group of students that were pretty close-knit and really interested in learning everything we possibly could before we graduated. In this class, one of our final projects was to create a slideshow of something we learned. I don't exactly remember what the assignment was or even what grade I got, but I chose to do my slideshow on the personification of death. I had just written a short story where a man wakes up only to realize that he has died and is escorted through the history of his sins by his own personal grim reaper, a black cat named Milo. After researching for that project, I realized that going down the rabbit hole of history was something that I really couldn't get enough of. And when I began considering what I could do as a project to help me keep on learning and bettering myself and avoiding getting into a rut like I had seen so many other people do, it was then that this podcast was born. Now, as we all know, death is a reality. We are all born and the only two things that are a guarantee in this life are death and of course taxes. But death isn't exactly a concrete thing. You can't touch death, you can't shake its hand. A lot of people like to think of it as a boogeyman that lurks around every corner just waiting to pop up and jump out at you, which is a personification of its own. But after my research, I found that that hasn't always been the case. A lot of the personifications of death in the media that you can see today aren't that scary. In fact, they usually are pretty stoic, matter of fact, and on occasion even likable. Half the time they aren't even represented as existing in order to terrify you. They're just there to do their job. Some of the most interesting personifications of death range from the chess master in Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal to Bill and Ted's bogus journey, to the cartoon world of The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. One of my favorite personifications of death 
is portrayed in the 1998 film Meet Joe Black. It's about an older man, played by Anthony Hopkins, who is visited by death, who has inhabited the body of a very young, very blonde Brad Pitt, and they strike a deal. Death will give him a few more days of life to say his goodbyes and save his business if he shows him around and gives him a lavish vacation from his very taxing job. It's the perfect rendition of what I imagine a Grim Reaper to act like. And it's also a reminder that our time here is short and we need to appreciate what we are given. Now, just to give a little clarity, Death personified in modern culture is actually referred to as a Grim Reaper. This is compared to a psychopomp, which is a definition I will explain in just a little bit. Grim Reapers are usually more terrifying than their counterparts. To even further clarify, they also aren't harbingers of death, meaning they don't warn you that they are going to die soon, usually. That's an entirely different subject that I plan on doing an episode on next season or so. Instead, it's Grim Reapers that usually show up to cut you down and drag your soul away. The character we all usually have in our minds of a Grim Reaper is a skeleton clothed in a black robe who carries around a scythe, which is a tool farmers would use to cut down and harvest crops. Many also believe that the reason he wore the iconic black robe is because that would have been the attire of religious figures who conducted funerary services. Essentially, the Grim Reaper is a character that exists in order to reap souls from Earth in, well, a grim manner. The entire character is simply just symbolism that has since permeated into pop culture. While the Grim Reaper only popped up around 700 years ago, during the Black Plague that took one-third of Europe, Death Personified has actually been around a lot longer than that. Psychopomps were the original Grim Reapers. In contrast, they were usually depicted as kind and gentle guides to the afterlife or underworld. Psychopomp is a Greek term that means spirit guide. It's been used to describe any being, whether they are a creature, an angel, a spirit, or deity, that escorts the souls of humans from Earth to the afterlife. Occasionally, it's the spirit of an ancestor or loved one, also. In a lot of ancient mythologies, this would include rulers of the afterlife, such as the Greek ruler of the underworld, Hades, the Egyptian god Anubis, Yama from Hinduism, or the Pale Horseman in the Christian Book of Revelations. A lot of these psychopomps are also deeply associated with the underworld, and are therefore referred to as thonic figures. The word thonic comes from ancient Greece and translates to mean in, under, or beneath the earth. It also refers to ritual nighttime sacrifices meant to appease the god Hades and the goddess Persephone who were the rulers of the underworld and responsible for the souls of the dead. In those particular sacrifices, the animal, rather than the edible parts being cooked and shared among the worshippers as a meal, they would be burned whole or buried. 
Along with Hades and Persephone, the Greek gods of Hermes and Hecate were also considered to be thonic figures as well. Hermes, along with being incredibly quick, was the one responsible for guiding souls to the afterlife, and Hecate, along with being the goddess of witchcraft, ghosts, and necromancy, also held the keys that were required for anyone traveling to or from the underworld. But while those characters each employed a role in mortal deaths, the true personification of death was named Thanatos. This makes sense when you look at the Marvel Universe and realize that the name Thanos comes from the Greek Thanatos, which means bringer of death and oblivion. In Greek mythology, Thanatos is the son of Nyx, the goddess of nighttime, and is twin brothers with Hypnos, who is the personification of sleep, seeing as sleep is considered a kind of half-death. This is also where the term hypnotism comes from. He also was siblings with other personifications, such as those for old age, suffering, doom, deception, and even Karen, spelled with the CH, the ferryman on the river Styx that everyone has to cross over in the underworld. While Thanatos was actually the personification of a peaceful death, there also existed the personification of violent deaths usually those that occurred on the battlefield in a bloody and painful manner. These creatures were called Karis, and were described as being dark beings with gnashing teeth, claws, and an insatiable desire for human blood. They couldn't kill people, but could simply only hover over battlefields in search of the wounded and dying. Ancient Greece wasn't the only mythology with a version of death, though. In Welsh mythology, there is the Anku, which is a Breton translation of the word grief. He's usually depicted as a man or a skeleton wearing a black robe and large hat that conceals his face. That description, horrifyingly enough, reminds me a lot of the Hat Man, who was the basis of my fourth episode and who shows up to people experiencing night terrors. He is sometimes said to have a noseless face that features empty eye sockets, while at other times he is described as skinny and haggard looking. He wields a scythe and is said to sit on top of a cart, meant for collecting and carrying the dead. In some versions of the story, he was the first child of Adam and Eve. In other stories, he is the first person of the year to die in a particular village and is therefore responsible for transporting everyone else. In another story, he was a prince who met death during a hunting trip and challenged him to see who could shoot a black stag first. After he lost the contest, he was cursed to wander earth as a ghoul for eternity. The way you know you're going to be the next one to die is said to be when you hear the squeaking of the cartwheels or the cry of an owl outside of your home late at night. Another fairly popular personification of death is that of Baron Samadhi. He is a famous figure in the Haitian voodoo religion and is a loa, or spirit, responsible for accompanying the dead to the afterlife. You've probably seen him portrayed in Disney's The Princess and the Frog, American Horror Story, or even the James Bond franchise, weirdly enough. He is usually depicted as wearing a top hat, a tuxedo, dark glasses, and a face painted like a skeleton. 
Occasionally, he even has cotton plugs in his nose to help him to resemble a corpse prepared for burial in the Haitian style. Usually, he speaks in a seductive manner and is known for his obscene language and debauchery, as he is also a representation of sexuality. He is also known for being able to heal and resurrect, which is why people are usually running to him to make a deal for their lives. While he is often seen as a villain in modern media, he is actually surprisingly a pretty good guy. He is also responsible for keeping corpses from transforming into zombies and running amok. The negative light he's placed in is usually because voodoo is still a greatly misunderstood and demonized religion, which is something I discuss briefly in my episode on zombies. His female counterpart and wife is named Maman Brigitte. She is famous for being the only white deity in the voodoo religion, and that's because she isn't Haitian in origin, but rather Irish. When the two cultures collided in the New World, she was adopted into the mythology. She's usually seen drinking rum infused with hot peppers, which just sounds like the worst drink ever created in my opinion. She's responsible for looking after the dead and making sure that they have a Christian cross with them when they pass over. Maman Brigitte is thought to be very bold in life and a fan of partying and using obscene language. It's really quite ironic. It's really quite ironic when you realize that the character of Brigitte was based off of a patron saint of Ireland, Bridget of Kildare, who was a devout nun thought to have performed miracles of healing. Though at one point it is said that she transformed enough water into beer to give to a leper colony and 18 different churches. So maybe they're not that different. Something fascinating I realized when researching this topic was that death is more often than not associated with femininity rather than masculinity. Even the Marvel comic book universe's version of the personification of death is very much a woman. And despite modern depictions of death being male and gender, it was actually more true to history that representations of death were female. There's a lot of possible explanations for why this happened. Femininity, historically, has been associated with the ability to give and nurture life, for obvious reasons. But female Grim Reapers could also be thought of as akin to the idea of a nurse or a midwife who helped people to deal with death in a peaceful manner. In Mexican folk Catholicism, Santa Muerte, also called Our Lady of the Holy Death, is a matriarch of the afterlife but is also associated with healing and protection. She's usually depicted as a skeleton, which garners her the nickname of Skinny Lady. She is shrouded in a robe and can be seen holding a scythe and a globe. The scythe, with its long handle, is meant to signify that Santa Muerte can reach far with her powers. And the globe is meant to symbolize the fact that everyone on Earth dies, no matter their circumstances. While Santa Muerte is usually associated with Catholicism, despite their hesitation to accept her as a symbol, a lot of her believers have actually cut ties with the church in order to form independent churches 
that focus solely on the female saint of death. She is also known to grant favors generously to those who work at night and are exposed to a different set of problems than those who work in the daytime, such as taxi drivers, prostitutes, bar owners, and police. In Norse mythology, death was personified by the goddess of death and ruler of Hel, whose name was also Hel, spelled with only one L. She is sometimes referred to as the daughter of Loki, who was the god of chaos, while other times it is said she was appointed to be the ruler of the underworld by Odin himself. She is sometimes described as being a troll woman, while other times she is described as being half black and half white, and that she is, quote, rather downcast and fierce looking. She also has control over a vast amount of land, including mansions filled with servants. It's not that great of an existence, though, as everything in Hell is, as you would expect, pretty depressing. Another Norse personification of death in mythology is the Valkyries, who you've most likely heard of. In Norse mythology, the Valkyries are a group of female warriors who are responsible for determining who will survive battle and who will perish. While men were considered machines for fighting, it was a higher power that would decide who would actually win the wars. And to the Norse people, this higher power was female by nature. The Valkyries would select a group of those who had died on the battlefield and on horseback would transport them to Odin's hall called Valhalla. There they would only fight for fun in the daytime and at night they would enjoy an all-you-can-eat buffet. They would never fear pain or hunger ever again. And lastly, in the Persian tradition, it is Dana who is considered the major personification of death. She comes from the oldest religion in history, Zoroastrianism, and is thought to guide those who have died to the other side of the Chinvat Bridge. The bridge, which separates the living from the dead, is also guarded by two four-eyed dogs. If Dana appears as a beautiful young maiden, it means that you are worthy of crossing. If she appears as a hideous hag, you will not be allowed to cross. Dana isn't quite like the other personifications of death, as she isn't just a guide to the afterlife, but represents the knowledge that we are thought to gain after we die. Her name translates to mean, quote, that which is seen or observed, or to gain understanding. The Buddhist word for Zen, which means feeling at peace with the world, is even thought to have been derived from the word Dana. A lot of different symbols or icons of death came about in times of mass death or destruction, such as plagues or wars. During the Black Plague in 1349 in Norway, folklore stated that the plague was an ashen-faced old woman named Pesta, which was a Norwegian word for the plague itself. She wore a red skirt and traveled to each village with a broomstick and a rake. If she showed up with her rake, it was said that at least some of the people in your community were going to be spared by the sickness. If she brought her broom, the entire village was sure to be killed off completely. Later during a plague in the mid-1600s, modern medicine had begun to grow and it was believed by doctors 
that the plague was spread through the air. To combat this, and probably also the smell of the dying, they began wearing long, bird-beaked masks that they would stuff with things like lavender, roses, carnations, or peppermint. Along with the masks, they would wear long black robes, a black wide-brimmed hat, and a cane that they could point things out with to avoid having to touch those who were contagious. Really, the outfit was the precursor to the hazmat suit. Today, the Birdbeak Doctor is a pretty popular image in horror movies and video games. Instead of a helpful medical professional, the suits became associated with death. It's not surprising, really, as the bubonic plague was just too quick and relentless of a disease to combat. After showing symptoms, it only took three to five days for victims to die, and with 80% of those who were infected succumbing to death. Another major cause of mass death is, of course, war. In the 20th century alone, war was the cause of at least 108 million deaths. I think that bears repeating. 108 million deaths in a hundred years. A very popular book that features death as a personification is titled The Book Thief. Death, who introduces himself as a narrator at the beginning of the novel, witnesses the life of a young girl during Nazi-ruled Germany. He has enough encounters with her, as she is around enough death that he always seems to be around, that she ends up leaving a lasting impression on him. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. War seems to have been a constant aspect of life throughout history, sadly enough. It's also been a subject of inspiration for many creative people, including one of my favorite artists from the 20th century, Otto Dix. In his art, he is known for depicting death in an ugly and brutally realistic manner. After he saw great devastation and loss fighting in World War I, he became a major force in the anti-war movement due to how controversial and disturbing his depictions of death on the battlefield were. Because of this, he was routinely targeted by Nazis, who told him that artists under Hitler's regime were only to paint inoffensive landscapes. Which makes sense when you realize that Hitler was a failed artist. In Dix's art, he mixed together established and new symbols of death to create personifications that made an impression upon his fellow soldiers, who were most likely suffering from severe PTSD. In one particularly interesting piece titled Stormtroopers Advance Under Cover of Gas, the imagery of men wearing gas masks are reminiscent of the stereotypical skulls used to personify death in other works of art throughout history. His symbolism became popular as its own form of a personification of death. You didn't need to know what his experiences were in the war to know that it was horrendous, and that to him, war meant only one thing, mass extermination and unjustifiable death. Something else fascinating I noticed in my research was that a lot of the personifications of death were created as a way of helping people to cope with the idea of death. 
Of course, the thought of dying alone is everyone's worst nightmare, but when you can imagine someone real at the other end of it to help you in your journey, death becomes a much less daunting aspect of life. A lot of the imagery associated with psychopomps and soul guides were created to help ease people's minds about what lay at the other side for them. But through a series of different events, the image of death became an utterly terrifying one, so much so that, at least in the US, we will do just about anything to avoid the thought that death is inevitable. This has ended up becoming very unhealthy in the grand scheme of things. Even the idea of growing older, which is considered a privilege in a lot of other countries, is frowned upon. The personification of death has been an idea that I have been attracted to for quite some time, but really only had the chance to scratch at the surface of. Death, though feared through the ages, has been a constant companion and comforter. It has been a catalyst for some of the greatest stories ever told, and I believe that it is time to recognize that part of death. This is especially true in a time where people are wholly uncomfortable with the idea that there is an end in sight for all of our pain and worries. Through the personification of death, we can allow ourselves to become used to the idea that death is not always a tragedy, but under the right circumstances, is a natural and necessary part of life. Now don't get me wrong here, I am in no way endorsing painful deaths, early deaths, or suicides, but simply just recommending the idea that death isn't the enemy we think it is. As Francis Bacon once said, death is a friend of ours, and he that is not ready to entertain him is not at home. Thank you so much for joining me this week, my friends. Please, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know. I could definitely do a second one, as I feel like I've barely touched the tip of the iceberg. Stay safe out there, everyone. Oh yeah, and don't forget to keep it strange. <laughs>